Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 140 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's show, I'm joined by breathing expert Patrick McKeown, and he's sharing all things breathing, including how to breathe better by breathing less, why over-breathing is as much of a problem as not breathing enough, and a super simple exercise that will help you sleep better and feel less stressed by the end of this episode. Patrick is a world-renowned expert in Buteco breathing method and the author of nine best-selling books, including his latest, Atomic Focus, The Breathing Cure, The Oxygen Advantage, Close Your Mouth, Asthma-Free Naturally, Anxiety-Free, Stop Worrying and Quiet Your Mind, and Sleep With Buteco. Now, here's a question for you. Are you breathing? Yes, you are. But are you breathing through your nose or through your mouth? Because as you're going to learn in today's conversation, there's a big difference in how your body reacts physiologically to mouth breathing versus nostril breathing. And basically, what it comes down to is your nose was designed for breathing and your mouth for talking and eating, but not breathing. And it makes a huge difference. Patrick is based in Galway, Ireland, and he travels and lectures extensively around the world. So you're going to get to enjoy his awesome, awesome, awesome Irish accent as you learn about breathing. And today's episode is super nerdy. I loved it so much, so much. So by the end, you are going to understand the mechanics of breathing down to like the biochemical reactions that are making it happen. And if you're already like, oh my God, that's way too nerdy. No, I promise. He explains it in a way that makes it super, super approachable. And he's sharing his best strategies and exercises. And I was doing, he walked me through one while we talked and it makes such a big difference. It seems so, so simple. Patrick is also the director of education at the world's foremost Buteco breathing method clinic called the Buteco Clinic International. And he has trained hundreds of Buteco practitioners since 2003. And listen, so many things from anxiety, depression, upper respiratory issues, stress, and even more can be changed by your breathing. But too many times, breathing issues are thought of as, you know, just the way you are. You can't change them unless you have surgery. But if you are waking up with a dry mouth, if you are struggling to keep focus throughout your day, or you're just not feeling like you can perform your best or be your best, then today's episode is for you. So let's get into it. Here is Patrick McYoung. First of all, so excited and happy to have you here with us today, Patrick. We'll start where I always like to start, which is what do you like to get nerdy about? I suppose I've been following one thing for 20 plus years, and that's the breath. Mm -hmm. Which I know I've heard you talk about in um, like your TED Talk, for example. It's like, I teach people to breathe, which seems to be such a basic thing. But as you know, I study your work more, I realize like, oh, even I am not fully sure how to breathe. <laughs> Definitely an overlooked thing. Yeah, it's, 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 something, it's something that kind of affects people differently. It's not that everybody has suboptimal breathing patterns, but many people do. Uh, especially people with sleep disorder breathing, they can be more prone to it. People with anxiety and panic disorder, people with respiratory complaints such as asthma, such as sarcoidosis, bronchiectasis, COPD, etc. 
people recovering from long COVID. So, mm. you know, and then hormonal changes can influence breathing patterns, the food we eat, lack of exercise, talking all day, stress, trauma, all of that stuff can make a change. And if, if, if I was asked a question, what is the percent of the normal population with dysfunctional breathing? It's likely to be in around 20%. Mm. But in the population with anxiety and, this, and panic disorder, it increases to 75%. And that's according to the literature. Mm-hmm. And people with lower back pain, it's 50%. And what I mean by dysfunctional breathing is that their breathing can be a little bit faster, a little bit harder, maybe through them out, irregular breathing patterns. And um, yeah, so shallow breathing as well, you know, so... Those are typical traits, and I think they, they often go underneath the radar. So, for example, if somebody, a child or adult, is going into a healthcare professional with their mouths open and they're breathing through the mouth, it's often seen as normal, but uh, there's nothing normal about breathing in and out through your mouth. Well, and even with snoring, for example, it's like, oh, here, have this device or have this, mm-hmm. you know, breathing machine or whatever without actually looking at, well, why are, are you snoring in the first place? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's how you breathe during the day that's going to influence how you breathe during your sleep. So mm-hmm. if somebody is breathing a little bit harder and faster during wakefulness, that's going to translate into harder and faster breathing during sleep. Now, of course, the airway, of course, anatomy is going to, to have some influence. There's no question about that. But all too often, the anatomy is cited as being 100% of the problem, but it's not necessarily. And sleep medicine has changed now in the last seven years or so with the realization that obstructive sleep apnea is not primarily an anatomical issue, that there, there's four characteristics to it. And one of those is anatomical, but three of them are non-anatomical. And by changing breathing patterns, you can influence the characteristics or the phenotypes of sleep apnea. But I'd say like the first thing it starts with is in and out through the nose. We should never wake up with a dry mouth in the morning. Yeah. So I guess that's a great place and a great question. Like what's the best place to start is just practice like breathing just through your nose during the day and while you're working, working out and things like that. Yeah, most definitely. And um, even just starting with that, because by breathing through your nose, it increases oxygen uptake in the blood. When you do physical exercise with your mouth closed, it increases carbon dioxide in the blood. And as carbon dioxide increases in the blood, Hemoglobin, which is the carrier of oxygen, releases oxygen more readily to the working muscles. So even though it's more challenging to breathe through your nose during physical exercise, the working muscles are better oxygenated and -hmm. recovery is much better. And it, it will, of course, it's going to depend on the anatomy of the person's airway. If they have a really compromised nasal airway like myself, they might need to use a nasal dilator, which helps to open up the nasal airway. But the vast majority of people are able to breathe in and out through the nose and well into the 90s, you know, in terms of 90% plus can nasal breathe. But, and it's not that people breathe through an open mouth for 100% of the time, but they will tend to have the mouth open, or at least 50% of them breathing through an open mouth during sleep, during physical exercise, um, in times of maybe distraction when they're watching television, etc. So it's Mm -hmm. just... Yeah, it's, it's the lack of awareness. And when it comes down to, if one was asked a question, what does the mouth do in terms of the breath? Is there any function implied by the mouth when it comes to breathing? And the answer is no. So the mouth is absolutely nothing. It's, it's a hole. And it's a hole whereby air can go straight down your throat and it goes into your throat unconditioned, unfiltered. And mouth breathing is activating more upper chest breathing. It's faster breathing. 
Whereas nasal breathing is also, there's a communication as air is drawn into the nose, there's a communication with the brain. And we don't have that with mouth breathing. And also there's a gas called nitric oxide, which is manufactured in the nasal cavity in the paranasal sinuses. And when we breathe through the nose, we harness this gas and nitric oxide helps to redistribute blood throughout the lungs. It helps to open up the airways. It helps to reduce the onset of chest infections. It's antiviral, it's antibacterial. And, you know, in times of, for example, there's an airborne virus out there, nasal breathing makes more sense than, than mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like you anatomically have a whole system designed for breathing and something that we're just so just not paying attention to that it just yeah. becomes the default to breathe through your mouth. That's it. Yes. I know I started as a challenge for myself um, when I'm working out to just breathe through my nose, even when it gets challenging, even when you're like in the last round or pushing through like, you know, some cardiovascular type of exercise. And it does at first seem like counterintuitive, but then your body's just like, oh, this is what we're doing. And it does make the effort more tolerable. Like I don't want to say easier. It's not easier, but it feels like more tolerable (laughs) to push harder and longer. It's easier over time. Takes a few weeks though. Yeah. But I'm even just like, you know, my legs are working and I'm slowing down my breathing and I'm like, oh yeah, I can keep going versus if I'm just like huffing and puffing through my mouth, it's like, oh, of course I'm going to quit. That's like another added difficult thing on top of what you're already doing. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, I think people should, should give it a go. And it, it's not just about switching from mouth to nose breathing, but it's a great start. You know, I, I was lucky enough. I came across breathing exercises back 20 plus years ago. I used to have a chronically blocked nose and Back then, I was a constant mouth breather. And one exercise that I learned back then, which was around at the time, was how do you unblock your nose? And you can decongest your nose by simply holding the breath. So I tried that. And then I tried another exercise then about breathing less air because this flies in the face of normally what we're told. And as I was breathing less air and I was feeling air hunger, I was feeling that I wasn't getting enough air. I did it for about three to four minutes. And the temperature of my fingers increased. And normally when we do that, we can influence body temperature, but we can also increase the saliva in the mouth. And this is by breathing less air, not by breathing more. So Mm -hmm. there's ideas after creeping into the public domain that about the usefulness of big breathing. And if, if if you're not sure if that idea exists, how many times we would hear it in a studio and the instructor is deliberately encouraging the students to take fuller breaths, but you know by whether a person is breathing harder if you can hear they're breathing during rest. Because even if they're doing light poses, should we be hearing a person's breath? Should they be deliberately taking more air into their body? What's happening there? Is it increasing Mm -hmm. oxygen uptake in the blood? Is it increasing blood oxygen saturation? Is it increasing oxygen delivery throughout the body? Or could it be doing the the opposite? You know, when Mm -hmm. we take those full big breaths, and we get rid of too much carbon dioxide from the blood through the lungs. Hemoglobin, which is the main carrier of oxygen in the blood, will hold on to oxygen more readily. And also our blood circulation, blood vessels constrict. So mm-hmm. in actual fact, the practice of taking a full, deep, big breath, and you hear people taking bigger breaths, and if they are doing that for a period of time, they could be reducing oxygen delivery throughout the body as opposed to increasing it. But they might believe that they are doing good, whereas in actual fact, the opposite could be taking place. 
Yeah. There's so many, you know, different styles of breathing, like you, you mentioned. And then also, especially like in the yoga space as well, it's like all the focus is on like deep and slow breathing. But yeah, I was gonna say, tell me more too about the, the breathing less. You know, deep and slow is actually good, but do you have to take a big, big breath to breathe deep and slow? You know, so when we think of the word deep, we're typically targeting the lower, the lower regions of the lungs. So you're targeting the area of the diaphragm, which is the main breathing muscle. And mm-hmm. it separates the thorax from the abdomen. So when we take a deep breath, it should be silent in and out through the nose during rest. And granted, when you do a physical exercise, of course, you're going to be breathing harder because your metabolism is higher. You're working your muscles. So you're, you're going to need more air. But during rest, when we think about the word deep, that basically means breathing low. And nose breathing in and out, you're more likely to harness greater amplitude of the diaphragm. And slow breathing makes total sense as well, because by slowing down breathing, we can influence the autonomic nervous system. We can stimulate the vagus nerve. We can strengthen the sensitivity of the bar reflex, which is an important part of the autonomic nervous system. For example, the bar receptors help to regulate and monitor and normalize our blood pressure. So... Slow breathing also gives enough time for oxygen to transfer from the lungs into the blood. And slow breathing is going to induce calmer states of mind. So by by regulating breathing, we can regulate the mind. So deep and slow is good, but should we breathe heavy during that time? So if we were to slow down the respiratory rate to five seconds in and five seconds out, which is the most optimum breathing rate to practice for different periods of time, you might have one person who will breathe very subtly in for five seconds. So as they breathe in, two, three, four, five, it almost may be that they are breathing almost imperceptibly. And then they're having a really relaxed and a slow, gentle breath out. But another person who is breathing in for five seconds, they may be taking as much air as possible into their lungs over the course of that five seconds. So even though both people are breathing according to five seconds, the volume of air that's drawn into the lungs is fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. So which way is right and which way is Mm -hmm. wrong? Now, I suppose (laughs) if we were to do a breathing exercise just for a short term, that's fine. And even if we hyperventilate for short term, that's fine. If we do breath holds, that's fine. But how should we be breathing every day? And the acronym we use is light, slow, and deep, LSD. So light is about focusing on the biochemistry. And you can actually breathe really light by taking the subtlest of air into your nose and then a really relaxed and a slow and gentle breath out. And as you soften the speed of your breathing and you breathe so smoothly, almost at the fine hairs within the nostrils do not move, the volume of air you are taking into your lungs is less. And because you are breathing less air, carbon dioxide increases in the blood. And as carbon dioxide increases in the blood, you feel that sensation of air hunger. Mm -hmm. So the stimulus to breathe is carbon dioxide. And with an increase of carbon dioxide, it can stimulate the vagus nerve. And when the vagus nerve is stimulated, it secretes a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, which causes the heart rate to slow down. And when the heart rate slows down, the brain interprets that the body is safe. So here's another example that when we are breathing light, now you can also do it by breathing slow, but you can also do it by breathing low. So I suppose we have to think of breathing as not just one dimension. 
that yeah. there's the biochemical component, you've got the biomechanical component, and you've got psychophysiological component of it. And that's how researchers look at breathing. They don't just look at breathing in terms of the biomechanics. They look at breathing across a number of different dimensions. Now, on the basis that researchers look at breathing across a number of dimensions, does it make sense then for instructors of breathing to only focus on one dimension? And it doesn't make right. sense. And that's why, you know, when we started, especially in the last few years, having a much greater emphasis across the different dimensions of breathing and realizing that it's very important that we focus both on the biochemistry and the biomechanics and also in the autonomic nervous system. But I think the one that has been overlooked has been the biochemistry. Because mm -hmm. if you have an individual which overly sensitive to the accumulation of carbon dioxide, because as I said, carbon dioxide is the stimulus to breathe and carbon dioxide is coming from the tissues into the blood. And if we're, if we are over, overly sensitive to the accumulation of carbon dioxide, our breathing is going to be harder and faster. Now, harder and faster breathing during rest is going to translate into harder and faster breathing during exercise and harder and faster breathing during sleep. So really what we want to do with the breath as well is we want to reduce the chemosensitivity of, to, of the body to carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, breathing naturally becomes slower. So, you know, somebody with a faster respiratory rate, or if I look at people coming in, say, with anxiety and panic disorder, mm -hmm. they can often breathe quite fast and they will tend to breathe up her chest. And, you know, when yeah. you talk to them, they'll often tell you as well, they just feel that they, they can get a satisfying breath. They feel a hunger for air. So they're feeling a sensation of suffocation as they're going about their everyday business. Now, how could you help that person? The, probably the best way to help that person is to focus on breathing less air. And I know that that is counterintuitive because they are already feeling that they are taking, you know, they already feel air hunger. But we mm -hmm. don't have them do it by breathing light, but we have them do it by, by doing small breath holds. So there's different ways of targeting breathing to kind of get it, get an effect. And yeah, like some people will say then, well, am I saying that you should be going around with air hunger all day long? No, no, not at all. But just to realize that breathing is, it's a broader topic than we've, yeah. you know, we've given credit for and to, to, to realize that, yeah, it's not just about breathing low. It's not just about breathing slow. It's not necessarily about taking the full big breaths, that there is a time to do different breathing exercises. But I think the most important thing is that anybody who is teaching breathing, we should understand what this breathing exercise is actually doing. And very often we might hear that here is the exercise, but that the instructor may not necessarily provide an adequate explanation of what's going on. I think it's very important mm -hmm. for instructors of breathing to understand the physiology as well. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, you know, just like with anything, there's no one right way to do it, but finding the best way that works for you and your, you know, personal makeup. Cause I know too, I've worked with clients who do feel that, you know, stressed out, anxious feeling all the time and deep like the deep breathing, the big, big to do about breathing that we've been talking about feels even more anxious for them. And so this low and slow and almost like looking for that air hunger seems like it would be a better fit for somebody like that. So I think having those options is super, super important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, 
like I've made plenty of mistakes with with people coming in with breathing. I've had people coming in with anxiety and I've activated the, the body's stress response. And you can do that with the breath. And I suppose experience can teach you a lot, you know, and I've had mm-hmm. people coming in with chronic fatigue syndrome. And more recently now we're seeing people with long COVID. Mm-hmm. And the only advantage is that the more you work with the breath and the more you work with different people and you start to realize that, breathing exercises need to be tailored. Okay. There's a lot of people you could, you could use the same breathing exercises with, but there's a group of people that you certainly need to tailor breathing exercises to. Mm-hmm. And for example, long COVID is what we're seeing at the moment. And you know, the, the autonomic nervous system is taxed. These people have mm-hmm. POTS, they have postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. They can't sit upright and they can't stand up. They can't do any sort of physical exercise because their heart rate elevates to as high as 180 beats per minute. Mm -hmm. So here, and you're talking and working with people and they can hardly string a sentence together. Mm -hmm. So they're so caught for breath and it's not just the respiratory system that's being taxed here, but the autonomic nervous system, they have no energy. Anxiety is huge because they have no idea where this condition is going. And, you know, how do you work? That's the beauty about the breath, that you can tailor exercises that can be so gentle to suit that person. Mm-hmm. But that's when experience comes into. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bodywork Starter Guide. When it comes to self-massage, you might be wondering if what you're doing is actually helping, or maybe you're wondering what you should be doing in the first place. Because massage is one of the best ways to erase tension, and it's super effective when you get into a regular routine. But you might be wondering, where the heck should you start? And why does it hurt so much to roll out your hips and hamstrings? Well, my Bodywork Starter Guide has you covered. You'll learn my favorite places to roll right now for quick relief, plus three reasons why stretching is only a temporary fix. And whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, bodywork can help. You can get the bodywork starter guide and get rolling right now by heading on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork. All right, let's get back to the show. And what does your, you know, quote unquote, breathing practice look like on a day-to-day basis? My breathing practice changes, you know, today I'll get in about 40 minutes of it, but I did it with physical exercise. Mm-hmm. And very often I will take my attention onto my breathing many, many times throughout the day. When I was doing my, my breathing exercises, I was doing breath holds and I was doing it on a treadmill because like, I have to realize that people don't, people don't have time. And if you right. think of the normal population, you know, there's pressure on them to do an hour of physical exercise a day and do an hour of breathing exercise a day <laughs> and then meditate. It's not yep. going to be possible. So yeah. how can you fit something like this into your way of life? And also, do we need to be meditating formally? You know, in order to bring a calmness to the mind, a great place to start is on the breath. But you can also do this with physical exercise. You can go for a walk or a jog with your mouth closed, have your attention on your breathing, jog with every cell of your body, breathe light during that jog, bring in some breath holds, maybe five or up to 10 breath holds during that jog. You can upregulate as part of the warm up, and you can downregulate in recovery. And I think that's the best way to do it because I know when I started off for the first three or four years, I was doing formal practice of one hour per day. 
And not everybody is going to be able to do that. But there is a certain amount of formal practices necessary just to get you to a certain spot. Mm-hmm. That we we form a habit, and that we form a habit without we w- that without even having to think about it. And the more we can bring breath work into our everyday life, it's it's a wonderful resolve because you've always got that resource that you can tap into, regardless of mm-hmm. what's happening on the outside. You can still bring your attention inwards and place some attention on the breath, and you can mm-hmm. change states. So for me, that's one of the you know the really important things to do. And yeah. I think that I've brought it into my way of life as, as best as I can. And yeah, doing formal, formal exercises, of course, has its value. Um, I only tend to do a formal exercise if I'm giving a public talk. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if I was giving an hour's lecture or something like that to a large group of people, I would take an hour aside before the lecture and I would use breathing exercises to change states. And to go out and just to go out, you know, fully immersed in, in a flow state and using the breath to harness that. But mm-hmm. I close my mouth at night every night. My mouth is taped. So I've done that for 20 plus years. And you might ask, well, why do you have to have your mouth taped after 20 plus years? I suppose it just became a habit. Yeah. So during the day, during wakefulness and during sleep and during physical exercise, keeping the mouth closed as best I can. And of course, during talking, it's not always possible because... If you were to talk with every sentence and every breath coming in and out through your nose, it's going to be very disruptive to the flow of communication. (laughs) So the rule of thumb is, I suppose, not to hear your breathing during rest and to understand that you are breathing light and slow and low. I love that too, of stacking it with things that you're already doing, because not only is that more realistic, but also then that's how you can really build the habit. Right. Because if you can do it in that, you know, focus time of your workout or your walk or whatever, um, then that'll start to like bleed off into the rest of your day as well. I'm curious about the mouth taping at night because I have been talking to my husband about doing this. I'm curious to start doing it as well. Like, do I need it? I was like telling him last night we we're talking about, I was like, I don't think you need like serial killer level duct tape. I think we can no, do it with no. a small piece of tape. So yeah. how do you get started with that? Yeah, we use, we use a tape. Like I brought out a tape a couple of years ago and I brought it out specifically for children and teenagers because it's really vitally important that children learn to breathe in and out through their nose. And yet up to 50% of studied kids are not. Their whole development of the shape is influenced by it. Um, their sleep, their academic achievement dental health, development in general, and even brain development is influenced by deep sleep, which in turn is influenced by how they breathe during sleep. So the tape that we use is myotape, and I can show it to you here just to get you so that you get an insight into it. I'm not sure if I have a pack open, but... And I'll link to it too in the description. The reason that we call it myotape was because of the relationship with myofunctional therapy. So dentists Mm -hmm. and orthodontists who use a practice of myofunctional therapy because when they straighten the child's teeth, they also want to make sure that the child has good breathing habits mm-hmm. because it's ultimately the tongue that's resting in the roof of the mouth. So with adults, we also use it. It's a tape, and I don't know if I have a strip, but it surrounds the mouth. It doesn't actually cover your lips. Oh. It's by surrounding the mouth. This is the child's one here, so this is quite small. So, But let me give you an example. <laughs> it's not going to fit. So you see it here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a tape that surrounds the mouth and it's elasticated and it's cotton. And the objective is don't stretch it too much. 
that you stretch it maybe about 30 or 40 percent. Oh. And that's pulled my lips together. So yeah, there's no danger because if somebody if somebody had to mouth breathe in an emergency, they can. Right, right. And especially for children as well, well during wakefulness, because you can imagine a child when they get distracted, they're watching television and the mouth is hanging open. And really what we yep. want to do is we want to change the software. So mm-hmm. we want to change the behavioral pattern in terms of the breath. And every time the child, if, if they're focused on the TV and if their mouth hangs open, when they're wearing the tape, what the tape will do is pull their lips together. Mm-hmm. So the tape is helping to stimulate the muscles around the mouth, the orbicular source muscle, but also that connection with the nose and breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a habit like anything it's else. A habit. Yes. Mm-hmm. With um, facial hair, I'm thinking of my husband with his mustache and his beard and all of that. Is yes. that possible or does the mustache no. have to go? <laughs> well, I, the mustache <laughs> has to go. I doubt that happening. So, yeah, yeah. I suppose you can use a piece of paper tape, maybe just in the lip, but <clears throat> my own tape doesn't work for mustache. No. So, fashion's changed. So, yeah. <laughs> You need like a mustache cutout for the myotape. Yeah, yeah, we have to come up with some idea there. We're missing the whole male audience now that at least 80% of them are wearing beards. So yeah, we're we're stuck with that one. (laughs) I love that though. I'm just, yeah, like... I mean, this all too comes back to stuff we talk about all the time on the show of like habit formation and changing habits and just, you know, moving yourself to a place where you know, it takes some focus, but then you get your body back to a place that's biomechanically more efficient and also just like biochemically more efficient as well. And breathing is the most fundamental of all things and a great place to start. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I think what people overlook if I was asked what are the two most important traits that we all use in our everyday life, I would say concentration and attention span. Mm-hmm. And we are not going to achieve those if we have poor breathing patterns and poor sleep. And I remember, you know, going through high school and going into university, I had sleep disorder breathing. I was falling asleep in class. I was a chronic mouth breather. Chronic mouth breathing, it, breathing is activating the body's fight or flight response. So in terms of the mind, you're in a state of agitation. And it wasn't that I had anxiety, but my concentration was very, very, you know, very much affected. And even though I would be studying the curriculum, my attention wasn't on the page because my attention was stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. If we pay some attention to our breathing and if we work to improve the breathing and improve blood flow and adopt a slower breathing pattern and lower breathing pattern and bring about a balance in the autonomic nervous system, which is entirely achievable by changing breathing. That in turn is going to increase your productivity in everyday life Mm -hmm. and it will make us happier. So for the person, because oftentimes, you know, an alpha male might come into me or I could be working with people from say police or military or elite sports and they may think, well, is there, is there something here in breath work for me? And I say, yes, there is. Because we can teach you how to change states. And I can only imagine the amount of people in the corporate world that get into a difficult situation and they respond by hyperventilating because that's just the way the body responds. But if you're not connected with the breath, you're not going to know how to, how to change states to be able to deal with that difficult situation. So... Mm-hmm. I remember I was watching a podcast by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. He's a TV doctor in the United Kingdom. And he was interviewing a brain surgeon. And the brain surgeon said, he says, he said, when I get into a tricky situation, 
the first thing I do is prevent myself from hyperventilating. And I said, this is wonderful stuff, but why doesn't everybody know about this? Why doesn't yeah. a university student know about it going into the exams? I didn't know about it. Why yeah, doesn't the school same. kids who are doing the exams in preparation for university, the corporate worker, the police, military, first responders, like they are always, they're, they're going into tricky situations all the time, but yet they don't know how their breathing changes. And by changing breathing patterns, and all it takes is 90 seconds. So I think in, t- in terms of forming habits, when people realize that even if you just practice this for a short period of time, but the most important thing is that you understand that if you want to stress the body and mind, breathe hard and fast. That's a stressor. So if I said to you was to take full big breath in and a big breath out and a big breath in and a big breath out, that's designed to stress the body and mind because we're increasing the speed of the exhalation. So when we breathe out fast, it's a stressor. But if we want to bring the body and mind into relaxation, it's not so much the inhalation we need to be focusing on. The inhalation can be fast or slow, ideally through the nose. It's really the exhalation. If you breathe out fast, it's a stressor. But if you have a slow and prolonged and a gentle breath out, that activates the body's relaxation response. So the next time that somebody is in a difficult situation, Bring your attention onto the breath, even though it mightn't feel the right thing to do. But the more you can maintain composure in a difficult situation, you're more likely to come up with a result. You're more likely to be calm. Whereas if you slow down your breathing and you have a really slow and relaxed and gentle exhalation, the information communicated from the body up to the brain is that everything is okay. And the brain is interpreting it that there's no trash. And when the brain is interpreting that everything is okay, the brain will send signals of calm to the body. But if we are in a difficult situation and we respond by hyperventilating, how does the brain interpret that? Well, the brain interprets that the body is under trash. And what Mm. does the brain want us to do but to get out of the situation? It's not a time for planning, for decision-making. It's a time for escape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's simple things. And the other thing that I would say is that anybody waking up at a dry mouth in the morning, they're unlikely to wake up feeling refreshed. And if you're not waking up feeling alert and refreshed in the morning, you're not going to have that calmness and concentration of the mind. So a little understanding of the breath can be very important. And I think this is where it's got awry, you know, by practicing breathing techniques that are fundamentally aimed at something, you can experience benefits very, very quickly. This is not just something I should give it a go and see what happens. No, you know, this is, if you want to directly focus breathing on a particular area, you will find the results relatively quickly. If any of your listeners have a stuffy nose and they want to open up the nose, don't do this if you're pregnant or if you've got serious issues, take a normal breath in and out through your nose, pinch your nose and hold your nose. And walk around holding your breath or even walk in the spot holding your breath. Mm -hmm. So if you were to take, for example, a normal breath in through your nose and a normal breath out through your nose and you pinch your nose and then Mm -hmm. you just start walking on the spot holding your breath and keep walking on the spot as you hold your breath and keep going, keep holding your breath, keep going, keep going, keep holding your breath until you feel a moderate to strong air hunger 
maybe the first couple of times go easy enough. Maybe let go there, Alex, and breathe in through your nose. And if you practice that five or six times, your nose opens up. Yeah. So with a head cold, your nose opens up. With a hay fever, your nose opens up. So there's there's a tool that people with nasal congestion aren't aware of, most of them. No, that's like magic. <laughs> it's worse like magic. That's what the kids say. Yeah. The other thing is, if you have a stuffy nose, you're, you are two to three times more likely to have a sleep issue. So people mm-hmm. with nasal congestion don't just have a stuffy nose, but they can have poor sleep. And then this evening, you know, if people want to downregulate before sleep, you might be watching a little TV. You might be just having some downtime. Put one hand on the chest and one hand just above the navel. Tune into breathing patterns and really start slowing down the speed of the air coming in and out of the nose and breathe less air to the point of an air hunger. Do that for about three to four minutes. Now, if you can do it for five or six minutes or 10 minutes, even better again. But as you do that exercise, pay attention to the saliva in the mouth. Has it increased? Has it decreased? Is it the same? Normally, when you do that exercise and you have a light air hunger, within about three to four minutes, you will have increased watery saliva in the mouth and you start Mm. to feel drowsy. Now, that tells you straight away that the body is activating the relaxation response because when we are relaxed, the body is prepared for the digestion of food and increased watery saliva is part of that process. But when we're feeling highly stressed, the mouth goes dry. Mm-hmm. When we are highly stressed, the last thing that the body wants is food. The body wants to get out of the situation. But many people are hyper aroused and they're mm-hmm. looking into their mobile phones and they're spending maybe an hour or two hours a day looking in their mobile phone. And let's face it, what are they looking at? They're looking Nothing. at nonsense, <laughs> non- nonsense. Mm-hmm. And whatever mm-hmm. the big tech companies are throwing at them, you know, mm-hmm. and the big mm-hmm. tech companies, of course, are delighted because they are consuming people's attention and they are posting mm-hmm. drivel. And unfortunately, <laughs> the mind, many of the minds in Western society, we are not able to cope with boredom. We are not able mm-hmm. to cope with a space that we have to fill our attention with everything. But what mm-hmm. I would say is instead of looking at the phone, bring your attention inwards and onto your breathing. You'll get so much more out of it than giving your time to the likes of the big platforms. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that's not a mic drop situation, I don't know what is because that is like, (laughs) yes, 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 yes. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today and just such a simple shift in your day-to-day life that can make such a profound impact. I mean, already the evening routine, I'm literally going to start doing that tonight because I'm finding as well, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm like, "Mm, didn't get as much of a nervous system unwind before I went to sleep as my body actually needs. So thank you. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to learn more? And I know also you have a book, Tell us everything. Sure. I've got a few books written over, there's nine books out there. So books, depending on what people want. And the latest one is Atomic Focus. And that's about using breathing and sleep to to improve concentration and attention span. I've got another book that's published internationally called The Breathing Cure. And that's very much a health-oriented book. That's, That's a book for nerds now. It's 190, <laughs> it's a, it's 190,000 words. It's a big book 
500 pages, um, a lot of science and, you know, maybe a little bit too much for the normal person, but atomic focus is easier. And then I have a book on sports performance, which was written back in 2015 called uh, The Oxygen Advantage. Mm -hmm. So those would be the three most um, recent books. Um, Our websites are butecoclinic.com. That's B-U-T-E-Y-K-O clinic.com and Oxygen Advantage. So depending on whether, you know, if you want to find out about breathing exercises specifically for asthma and breathing problems or sleep or anxiety, that would be Buteco Clinic. And for performance, corporate, sports, it's Oxygen Advantage. Okay, awesome. And I will link to all of that in the description. Also, I'm adding all of those books too to my cart. <laughs> Again, thank you so much too for the work that you do because I a thousand percent agree that breathing is so important and is something that is overlooked when it is such a like base level foundational human thing that we can always improve upon. Yeah, great. It was a pleasure. Thanks very much, Alex. Okay. Are you breathing better or are you breathing better? Now, he did show me the myo tape that he was talking about. And I realized, wait, we're visual. You can't see it. It's basically like a square with a stretchy adhesive, but the inside of the square is cut out. So there's no adhesive on your lips themselves. It's just around the outside. And I'll make sure to link to that in the show description as well at aewellness.com slash podcast. So if you want to grab some of that tape, yeah, you can. Taping your mouth while you sleep seems like ridiculous. <laughs> I know, but I love the option of this myotape. So again, you can mouth breathe if you need, but anything you can do to passively set yourself up to function better, especially without you thinking, and to really rewire your brain into habits that are going to be more beneficial, I am here for it. So what was your biggest takeaway from today's episode? I want to know. Take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. Let me know if you have additional questions. Let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Hala Formala. You can find me on TikTok at AE Wellness. You can call me on the Body Nerd Hotline, 818-396-6501. Or you can drop me an email at hello at aewellness.com. And again, don't forget that show notes, fun links, free downloads, the Body Nerds group, all things podcast related live over at aewellness.com slash podcast, including links to everything we talked about in today's show and subscribe, review, share. I know it may seem like it's just a little thing. How can it really matter? But honestly, it makes a huge, huge difference. And I so appreciate everyone who has taken the time to do that. So if you haven't like pretty please, and thank you, I so appreciate you. Thank you for reviewing or subscribing or even just sharing this episode with, you know, that person in your life who snores so loud and you know could do with some better breathing. (laughs) Just, you know, gently slide them this episode and say, you know, I think you might find some stuff interesting in here. (laughs) And maybe the person who snores is you and that's okay. And you can just let your loved ones know, you know what, I will now breathe better for myself, but also for you. (laughs) So here's asking better questions, moving more, breathing like a boss and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and that you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. 
So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today. Thank you.